You should have seen us gunning Passing the folks along the road Just as they were standing All the lads and lasses there All the smiling faces Gunning along the Scotswood Road To see the green Your what is good Ladies and germs, welcome to another episode of CHN Radio. It's episode number 201, because the last one was 200, so you add one, and it's 201. I'm Elijah, and I'm joined alongside the co-host with the most who doesn't like to boast, Joshua. Joshua, how are you? Man, I don't like avocado on toast, but it was time to roast. Oh, gosh. Uh, What have I started? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I've created a monster. Uh, so this is uh, Josh. People are wondering, do you go by Josh or Joshua? Both. Either. Okay. I'm yeah. just going to keep asking you that like every it's couple fine. episodes. Yeah, no, just yeah. Joshua, dead. I don't know. It depends on how you're feeling, man. No. Josh, what's up? Hey, man. Hey, I man. I, I'm a very casual guy, uh, yeah. so I feel like I, I lean towards Josh. Like in my phone, your name is Josh. So my friends call, uh, Some of my friends call me J-Doo. Oh nope, that's not happening. I'm sorry, nope. I, I can't can't do it. Can't do it. Yep, I, I'm a pass on that one. Uh, we got a we got an exciting uh, early in the week episode for you because Newcastle just played. Uh, we were recording on Sunday, uh, I guess like 12 hours after the match, roughly give or take. Response, uh, response. Yeah, roughly almost like 12 hours to to the final whistle. Um, so yeah, it should be a fun one. Um, I'm not going to go out and say this is going to be a quick one, but we'll we'll keep it moving along <laughs> as quickly as we possibly can. Um, there's no real plugs. You guys know the deal. Follow us on all the socials. Uh, the Instagram is live. I told you guys I'd make it. So if you want to, if you're on the Instagrams as Twitter begins to to slowly die, which I, it's not actually dying, but if we keep saying that it's dying, maybe it'll it'll get better. That's my that's my my mindset. Is that yeah. if we keep complaining about it, maybe Elon will fire himself and then uh, it'll actually be a decent app. Um, but yeah, so we're on, on Instagram at chn underscore podcast. So follow us there. I'll start posting uh, some point this week once I figure out a, a good way to get a login and all that kind of stuff out to folks. <sighs> I think that's it. Oh, oh, yes, Josh, I forgot to mention this because we haven't really done this in a while. But if you're listening to this and you haven't rated us five stars on on whatever podcasting service you won't do it used to, yeah go ahead and do that give us a little subby sub as well that'd be nice a little yeah. subby sub all right give it a little subby sub yeah let's hop into it we got some uh some some a little bit of women's news so let's hop right into that josh what you what you what you walking with what are we talking about <laughs> well yeah we'll keep it real easy because the the first team did not play today but there was a win for the developmental team they won seven nil over i believe it was the Leeds ladies developmental team so big win for all the women who do not normally get to start for the first team or who are still working their way into that level of football, uh, the news, which had been announced several weeks ago, uh, the women will be playing at St. James's Park on Sunday, April 16th. So look for that in two weeks' time. Um, hopefully tickets are still uh, – hopefully it's sold out. <laughs> but I don't think it is. Go get tickets. Uh, hopefully they stream it and we get to watch it. Durham Sestria won away to York City to retain first place in the table. They have just two matches left to play. They're on 50 points right now. They have a max of 56 points should they win. 
Um, and we, it's, it's probably safe to assume that they will win because they have been absolutely on fire. Germcestria deserve all the plaudits they may receive if they do get promoted. On the other hand, Newcastle United's women still in with a shout. They're on 43 points, so they're seven, seven points shy of promotion. But they have five matches left as opposed to the two, right? So that's a max of 58 points should they win out. They must win at least four of those, assuming that Durham win their next two. But the women can afford one draw. Okay, that would put them on 56 points. Durham would win on goal difference. They each have beaten each other once, 1-0 and 2-1. So they're even on the tiebreaker. So let's just say Newcastle United women have five matches in which to earn promotion. Should they win out, they're promoted. They need to win out to guarantee promotion. Okay, let's do it. That That's, that's my response is... Okay, let's do it. Sounds yeah. good. Yeah, they should they should hire me for the uh, let's go t- the team talk. And my my monotonous voice would really really get the team going. Um, okay, cool. Uh, in other news, Newcastle have announced that uh, this summer they will be playing. They've announced their first set of friendlies or first friendly that's on on paper. It's going to be a I want to say it's a late July uh, hmm. friendly date. Against Rangers, it's likely going to be uh, a like a what do they call it? a testimonial? Because uh, Rangers have a uh, a a, uh, a keeper that's Alan McGregor who mm-hmm. made like 500 appearances for the Jeez. club, uh, which is absurd. <laughs> so yeah, uh, it's going to be on July 18th, um, and so yeah, it should be just a nice little friendly. And Rangers are doing a whole. Um, a whole big big deal but so yeah there'll be a testimonial i'm sure i don't know how competitive it's really going to be uh and uh, we'll see there's still that report that emerged about a potential premier league like tournament that would take place in the states that newcastle rumored to be a part of alongside chelsea and leeds mm-hmm. but uh that's obviously pretty tbd considering that uh half of the six, the half of the six teams named well i guess oh, not half but Leeds and Brighton were six or two of the six teams named, and both of them are in a relegation battle right now. So uh, it's not not great. Actually, mm. uh, Bright Brighton is Brighton maybe not. Out. Brighton yeah, they could pull, pull it out. out. Brighton are definitely in a there. Yeah, there. Who knows? But Leeds definitely are in a relegation scrap, <laughs> uh, to say the least. So um, we'll see. Uh, I do think that does hinge mainly on Leeds. To be honest. That feels like they're carrying Leeds and Chelsea are carrying a lot of the weight there with an American owner for Chelsea and Leeds having a bunch of U.S. men's national team players on their team. So we'll see. Uh, but yeah, that's 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 the the news there. And then uh, another small bit of news that um, you can read up on our from our good friends at the Athletic. Uh, there were some new rule changes implemented, and there's one that. Uh, and it was all for the owners and directors tests. And the rule that sticks out, Josh, which is a fun one, is uh, that one of the uh, – well, there's there's a new rule on the controlling stake being 25% or more versus 30% or more, but that doesn't really apply to Newcastle. What does apply to Newcastle is um, the addition of disqualifying events. So in the past, as you may remember as a Newcastle fan, the only like the only real way you could – 
not be named a Premier League club owner is uh, or a CEO or on the board of directors was essentially if like they had some sort of probable cause that it was basically a vibes test. Like there was no real, it was like, mm. and that's kind of how Newcastle uh, people want to hear it, but that's how Newcastle have PIF owners is that there really was no like, Hey, if you commit a human's right, human rights violation, like you can't own a team. It was very much like a, if you can talk to us and promise us some things and we do a, a background check and it comes out clean, you know, you, you can be a premier league owner. And so now, um, there is uh, one of the disqualifying the disqualifying events are essentially any sort of sanctions from government sanctions and then um, especially sanctions being linked to human rights abuse and then anyone convicted of violence corruption fraud tax evasion or hate crimes mm. in the UK or overseas uh, the interesting thing about this is that um, when it comes to human rights abusers they are using the UK global human rights sanctions uh, so you may ask, Josh, why does that matter? Um, it matters. Because why does Saudi that matter? Oh, wow, that was that was nice. Uh, it, it matters because Saudi Arabia is not on the UK human rights sanctions list. Um, in you know, other countries like Syria, Venezuela, and Iran or Iran are on there, but um, yes, and I would imagine probably Afghanistan is likely on that as well. But mm. uh, so neither Qatar or uh, or Saudi Arabia are on that list. Um, probably because they are allies with the UK. So all that to say, um, if you're a Newcastle fan, I wouldn't worry too much as long as uh, Saudi Arabia and UK are allied about this affecting anything. Um, but it is odd that like they, not odd, it's just a, a weird quirk that uh, they put this this stipulation into the owners and directors test that everyone wanted, who was very critical of the Newcastle uh, purchase. And it literally changes nothing. Like, any Qatari person can still buy any Saudi Arabian person. Like it changes absolutely nothing. So there's that. Um, Josh, any, any thoughts on that? I know that you have thoughts on the PIF in general. Um, no, I mean, I'm going to stray away from it till we know that there's imminent change or it impacts Newcastle in any definitive way. I just, I don't know. I don't want well, to get into it, that because I, I don't, I, you know, like some people are going to choose to be offended and I just don't feel like there's anything to be offended by quite yet. Yeah. I mean, and also the, based on what I'm reading, um, nothing will change for Newcastle unless Saudi Arabia itself, like unless Saudi Arabia pisses off the West, which is highly unlikely in the, yeah. in the given what they want to do, this has nothing to do with Newcastle. So, um, but it is something that, of course, like it's Newcastle news because this only this only exists because of Newcastle, uh, which is a hard truth for some people to hear. All right, and then lastly, just a couple of uh, around the news bits uh, around around the wow around the league bits of news. Uh, there was a couple of managerial exits this weekend. Uh, I don't know if you heard. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Brendan Rogers, uh, that definitely yeah, Brendan Rogers was asked to leave or mutually parted ways with Lester uh, this does. morning. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> you know what that means? Parting. Yeah. Get the so, fuck uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it conveniently mutually parted ways after they lost to Villa and they're now second from the bottom. So that's an interesting one. Yeah. Um, Tim Howard actually pointed this out of, uh, he was very 
he was very worried about Leicester because they essentially have refused to admit that they were in a relegation battle, which is bananas. And it's actually like something I didn't realize until he was start going down the list of quotes from like James Madison and like all those other players and coaches kind of refusing to like acknowledge the fact that, Hey, we are in a relegation scrap. And he thinks that has something to do with like, he thinks that is affecting the mentality at the club of where like, if nobody thinks they're in a relegation scrap or no one's talking about it, then you're not, you're not playing with that same level of desperation. You're not all on the no same sense page. of urgency. Yeah. You know, whereas like, like we've seen from Newcastle or we've seen from other teams in the past, like when you know, acknowledge that we are in a relegation scrap, then like you play with that sense of desperation. Like, yeah. Uh, but maybe it was a mental, like maybe it was a experiment. You know what I mean? Like uh, let's just, it, let's play. It failed. It failed. <laughs> but you know, maybe, maybe, you know, uh, Brendan Rogers was like, well, let's just play even keeled. Let's not lose our top. Let's play like we would play last week. Let's play like that next week. The problem was, he wasn't playing very good last week or the week yeah. before or the week before. And I just don't think that mentality will work out for him. I worry for him. Um, not that he won't ever get a job again, but I, I don't see, I don't see who in the premier league would hire Brendan Rogers, a newly yeah. promoted side who wants to take a leap. Like I see a champ. Like- I, I don't know. I could see a championship side, maybe halfway through the year next year. Who they're just not they're not you know let's say a, a Swansea because he's he's Welsh right did he ever did he start at Swansea maybe he did oh. and then he went from Swansea to Liverpool that'd be interesting oh. to uh, I'm like trying I, to I, do a deep I recall I'll say this like Brendan Rodgers and other um, and I think you're right I do see 2010 to 2012 Swansea so yeah, yeah. I think I think you're right uh, he's from he's from Cambridge he's wow he's from I said Cambridge. It's Carlinal Northern Ireland. So Northern Ireland, yeah. He's only five seven, huh? That's a that's a. He's a wee a, man. He's a wee man. Um, no, he's he he's he's there's he's got some nows to him. He did really well when he was up at Celtic, I believe. Um, and I just felt like maybe the Premier League is a bridge too far. And I think he's a Championship level manager. I could see him. I could see somebody like West Brom if they don't get promoted this year. Somebody like that taking a taking a punt on him next year. Uh, you know, and bringing him in before the championship season starts, but I just don't see a Premier League team reaching I mean, out to him. And, let's and, let's let's not let's not say he's. I mean, he did he did have a, a decent stretch at Liverpool. Like, let's not forget it wasn't bad. It wasn't great. It wasn't great, but I mean, it's better than Steve Bruce, who keeps getting jobs. So it's like they well, Liverpool never tried Steve Bruce. That's their uh, that's, problem. I mean, I'm just saying that it's That's just their problem. You know, it, they need to get rid of Jurgen Klopp and go full Steve Bruce, and oh then gosh. they would have the right to complain. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's just yeah, it's very. It, I I think that he will get another job at some point. Um, yeah. Just and maybe it's not in the next you know couple years, but I do think five years down the road. Because he's mainly because he's he's gonna he's gonna be part of those managers the new generation I think Dice is now entering that realm Graham Potter's gonna be that realm of the yeah. new age of the new and, recycles and, and yeah exactly new English recyclables of they've they've been at bigger clubs have been at smaller clubs they can keep you up blah, blah, blah. I honestly I wouldn't be surprised if the first call that Lester made or makes tomorrow morning Monday morning is to call Graham Potter. Hey, look, I know this would be your third club in one season, but 
you know, look, they and they could do worse. I think Graham Potter, who, by the way, I know we didn't, you didn't announce it quite yet, but yeah, yeah Graham but I mean, Potter has it. left he's, Chelsea. He's yeah, yeah. Um, I think that was the right move for Chelsea. I think getting rid of Thomas Tuchel was the wrong move for Chelsea to begin oh, with. Oh, for sure. I don't think who is the owner there. That American, what's his name? Bowley. Todd Bowley. He doesn't know what the fuck he's doing, does he? He's like, he's like a one man wrecking wrecking ball and he's just playing like football manager and thinking that it translates directly like he he's not playing football most. manager he is playing madden uh he's 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 playing a completely you, different you got sport. that right he doesn't know what he's doing <laughs> yeah. um i think grand potter is a great coach i think chelsea was the wrong team and i think anybody who gets sacked or loses their job or doesn't work out at chelsea gets a free hit like oh for sure that's an insane asylum you know oh you went through that shit Right, there's and, no and marks against and it, you, and it's a history of of just. I mean, and I think there was a sm- a slight hope that once Roman left, or was I don't I don't know how you want to handle that, but once Roman was no longer there, um, that the history of Chelsea having a sh- very short lease with managers under which started under him, mm-hmm. people thought that was that was done because he's gone, and Bully is probably worse uh, because he doesn't he doesn't actually like know what he's doing. So it's, it's even worse where he just like is panic firing. And, and I think that's even worse. I mean, you, you like, he's gone through two managers in what a year and a half, not even. Yeah. Cause the, the Russian conflict, what started last year or or a little over a year. So in less than a year, he's gone through two managers. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know who, does Julian Nagelsmann does he take that job or does he take the Tottenham job or does Pochettino I, I take think, the Tottenham job? I think you know, like I think everyone. I think if I'm smart, I if I'm too cool, if I'm I'm, I'm Nagelsmann, if I'm Poch, I wait till the summer. Yeah, like but it, you know what that opens there, up. What you know the side effect of that though is what? now we have been talking about this for several months, months. We have a short list of two, three, four players that play for Chelsea that we admire. Yeah. This week, next week, is the week you make an offer for that player that they cannot refuse because they do not have a manager to check off on that and say, oh, wait a minute, that's somebody that I want. Offer them money for a player right now. Hey, I know you're going through some shit. I know you've got to offload some players. We want this guy. Here's the money. Take it. Yeah. Uh, Now's the time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm curious, though, of, uh, but on the flip side, you get the player perspective of every player thinks that they have a new opportunity with a new manager coming in. There's possibly, but we can flip that. We can flip that and look at Leicester. We know there's a couple players at Leicester. Oh, I mean, well, yeah, no, I I think you go after Tielemans, you go after Madison, like that's yeah. a given, especially because that club I, may be relegated. I, yeah, and they say could that, use all the money they could they could get. Yeah, I, Lester, they, they the the moves that have been made now are too late in the season mm-hmm. for, in my opinion, for it to really have any change. Like Lester are appointing their two uh two managers from the coaching staff to be like co managers. And there's like, I mean, unless you brought in a, like a new, completely new manager within the next week or so, there's nothing you can really do like tactically or like even attitude wise because it's the same people. 
So you have the same air of attitude at the club. Maybe you get a bit of a spark with an interim guy or interim guys, like maybe one's playing good cop, one's playing bad cop. But for the most part, Lester has not looked good this season. And like the people responsible for the tactics are still there. It's just, <laughs> it's just like Brendan Rogers isn't the guy running the show. Like it's just his two lead assistants who mm-hmm. are doing the same thing he was doing before. So Chelsea, I think, is a lost cause. I think they've completely given up on this season. Like, they are content finishing in 11th or 10th or whatever or 8th. Like, they know that they're not in Europe, and that's a different situation altogether. But Leicester is one to watch for sure. Um, I know Chelsea fire sale is coming soon, and I think the players that are available are likely, regardless of the manager, still going to be available. Like, Christian Pulisic, I think he'd be an idiot to stay there. Connor Gallagher, I think as well, just because he's he's entering. Connor Gallagher is like a twenty two or twenty three or something like that. Like, yeah, he's entering I mean, his big money phase. Yeah, he needs to he needs to just go somewhere where he's going to play a lot more. Um, so there, there's there's certain players who I think you know maybe Kai Havertz makes the move somewhere where I him Kai Havertz I think could go back to Germany and be very successful. Yeah. Um, you know all that kind of stuff. So we'll we'll see. But yeah, that was the big news out of the rest of the prem with Potter and uh, uh, Rogers out. It doesn't affect Newcastle as much as Tottenham uh, moving on, like we talked about last week. But it's still news nonetheless. But uh, let's let's hop into this wonderful, wonderful match. We said it was one of the most important matches of the season. Um, mm-hmm. And I will say this, it looked like one of the most important matches of the season for one of the teams. And I want to start us off with just a, a just a quick quote. Just a quick quote. Someone said this. I'm okay. not going to name names. They said this. On time wasting. A concern? We know they delay. Yeah. And it's something that the refereeing body doesn't want. I'm just saying someone said that. I'm not going to say I'm not going to name any mm. names, but someone said that about Newcastle. So, mm-hmm. just take that into consideration when as we review this match in which Newcastle beat mm. Manchester United 2-0. Um I don't I don't I don't know if you mind, but Josh, I have a, f- a few three words I want to read because uh the folks were happy about it. Um our boy Eric Schmidt says complete utter domination. Kim Avery says best Bruno wins. Joe Avery says keep on rolling. Paul Robson says Mandy's magic mags. Mike's is absolutely fucking brilliant. And then on the people were on the main account, the commenting three words. Uh one from Drew Ham five <laughs> said Euro PN football, which I love that. Mm-hmm. Oh, who's who's this guy? Joshua Duter gave nine words. So well, no, uh, that's three three words. No, yeah. See, that's not how it works. You can't just give <laughs> three three words. I was so just, impressed. I did it three times. Yeah, there you go. Front footing the wow. Front footing the frauds. That is a tongue twister. A a in Tin Hog's head. Willock Wilson winning. I like all of those. Those are good. Mm. Um, Timothy Alberts says fucking love Willock. Jeff H says Maxi backstick. Amarone's broad grin says we are united, and Aaron Schwartzbaum says, "Oh, this one's easy." Hoe the lads, uh, which okay, sure. Okay. Um, Toon Army Denver says revenge served cold, and our good friend Greg Troxel says better than hog. I hope people caught that inflection in my voice, but uh, yeah, it was a brilliant performance from Newcastle. I think that is the proper description of that performance. 
off the top of your head, Josh, I know you gave your nine words, which yeah, is yeah. more than three. Um, I'm I'm not I'm not counting them. I'm just saying it's more than three. Uh, what are your what are your uh, quick thoughts? Final whistle. Like, what's the first thing that pops in your head? Man United wasted. Yeah, yeah, they played poorly. We played well. We played Newcastle played well. Newcastle played organized. They played on the front foot. They were attacking. They were aggressive. They they played like they cared. Mm. Um, Manchester United played l- like a bunch of like a like a bunch of bullies, like a bunch of wingers. They thought they would show up. They thought they would spend all week complaining about how Newcastle plays, then show up and bitch and piss and moan to the referee about. And, and you could see it started off that way, you know, yeah. just you know, Bruno Fernandez just shrugging his shoulders and whining and rolling on the ground like a, like a spoiled child. And this whole, it's a whole team. There's only one person with any class on that team. And that's Marcus Rashford. And we should just He feeds the kids. He feeds the kids. We should just get him. I like Marcus Rashford a lot. Yeah, I respect him. Well, Scott McTominay not- also class. Okay. I mean, just be, it just I'm just covering our bases in case he becomes in a Newcastle case. player. Well, no one we to be like, oh, well, hey, I clipped this from, we didn't like from episode 201. We didn't like Gordon. Okay, that's, that's fair. That's, that's fair. Fine. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Everyone gets On, a second until chance. Until you lace your boots up for the black and white, you can you can go pound sand. I don't care. Get in the seat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think you're spot on. Um, my initial thoughts were just the the Manchester United midfield, what, it was absolutely shredded. Like, mm. It looked really bad. I think Ten Hag really just got that decision wrong. Not that he had much of a choice. Uh, we already mentioned this in the last pod, but Casemiro was mm-hmm. um, he was out during first suspension, but it was just very much a reminder of how important he is to that team. I think they thought Sabitzer could come in and fill that void, and in the past he has, and in fact in his last couple of appearances he's looked pretty solid, but I do think that Against this midfield, that is a very physical midfield uh, across the board. Even if you know Sean Longson doesn't look it, like he's not afraid to get stuck in. Joe Willock's obviously not afraid to get stuck in. Everyone, Bruno's like it felt like you have to go with a Fred here in order to keep up with the physicality of this midfield, especially when you know you have the Moner up as your ten. Mm-hmm. So I just felt like that that is where it all went wrong for for Manchester United. I mean, you know, everything else about their team was pretty normal. Veghorst up top. Rashford out wide with Anthony, um, and then their back line, pretty normal back line for them. Shaw, Martinez, Veron, Delo, um, and De Gea and goal. But that midfield of McTominay and Sabitzer, I think that was that was just really – it just didn't work. Um, and it's really – it's kind of – if you're a Man U fan, it's a bit frustrating because that midfield pairing has worked in the past, but maybe it was just against you know less uh, physical sides. Real quick, I'm going to go through the Newcastle lineups. Um, it was pretty much un- it was actually unchanged from last last week. So, Pope and Gold, Trippier, Share, Botman, Burn, Longstaff, Bruno, Willock, Murphy, Isak, and Saint Maxman. There was actually a lot of people, excuse me, including myself, and I think Josh, you might have said this as well, of potential that ASM doesn't start this match just because he was pretty bad uh, in the last match and was subbed off at halftime uh, for Elliot Anderson, who also. Just side note, looked pretty solid again today, so good for him. Uh, but 
ASM did get the start. Uh, Joelinton was notably on the bench uh, after serving his two-game suspension. I think a lot of Newcastle fans thought he was going to be back in the starting I lineup. I thought he might. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, the Willick, Will, the Willick, uh, Joelinton, uh, like pairing has worked really well this season. Um, provides a little bit more width than in an ASM cutting inside. So, like, I, I mean, it, it, I wouldn't have been surprised if that was the the move as well. Isak starting, it was it was well deserved. Um, so, um, just I want to quickly go through some some key moments in the first half. Um, I'll say this. Newcastle could have scored uh, three goals in the first half. At least, yeah. <laughs> at, at a minimum. I mean, Willow uh, scored a hat trick in the first half. Yeah, yeah it, it was it was pretty bad. I mean, the, I, I don't really think we need to go into, like, a ton of, uh, like, key key moments. Um, oh, gosh. Uh, we don't need to go into a ton of key moments. But I think it's important to note there was the uh, – De Gea double save in the 15th minute, I want to say it was. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was the 15th minute uh, where, yeah, I mean, uh, Isak got got ahead on a ball. Uh, it, was, it was decently placed. I don't think you can fault him for that. And then Willock with the follow-up, and it just hit him right. Hit De Gea, De Gea made the yeah. first save, and then Willock, you know, made it easy got on it the on second frame. save. Yeah. But not easy. You know, easy, easy that, you know yeah. like, you know, you're, 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 you're shooting a ball off a deflection at speed. It's not easy, yeah. but right down the middle, and De Gea was there. So mm-hmm. I'll shrug yeah. my shoulders. Yeah, and then there was another pretty big moment, um, closer moment uh, for for uh, for another Newcastle midfielder to score. I mean, this one you can't really fault Sean Longstaff too much, but in the 38th minute, uh, ASM played a nice ball, cut inside, and was pretty patient, played a really nice ball across the box to uh, Sean Longstaff who fired from the edge of the box. And that was, it, it looked like it was going in. I think people in the league, you've, seen it. Thought it you've was, seen it. Yeah. You've seen it go in though. You know, you've seen Char do Oh it. yeah. 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 And, and yeah, we've seen Char. I mean, Longstaff's first, one of he his first goals for uh, Newcastle was a, was a long range goal. So, yeah. and I think he, it, it, it might've been against Manchester United actually. Cause I want to say the, one of the, the fun facts is that, both him and Maddie have game winners against Manchester United. Um, so that that's a fun fact. Someone can fact check me on that, but um, I'm like 68% sure I'm right. Okay. And then shortly afterwards, again, uh, Joe Willick, another really good chance set up by Alan St. Maxman, uh, who again, like I think a lot of people, myself included, Josh, I want to speak for you, but mm. I think we all thought he wouldn't start Mm-mm. wouldn't was did not have a good game last time out really he didn't feel himself. like yeah oh he looked at home in this offense like he mm-hmm. looked like it actually it looked like it all clicked for him uh mm-hmm. for the first time so uh yeah and he cut it into the box and it was like i mean willock had to be seven yards out and just absolutely skies it so again not not great <laughs> uh not great. Uh, so, uh, I mean, and then that, that kind of took us into half. There was, a, again, like, it was all Newcastle. There really was not a single Manchester United highlight. Uh, they actually did not have a shot on target the entire first half. It's just it's only happened to them, um, I think, once before in the last five years or something like that. So, again, it was all Newcastle. I think most fans at that moment at halftime, and Josh, I want to get your thoughts on, on how you were feeling at halftime, but I think I speak for a lot of fans where I was kind of annoyed uh, because uh, this has been the story of this season of just not being clinical 
uh, in the final mm-hmm. third. Uh, mm-hmm. The chance, the chance creation is there, but the the clinical finishing wasn't there. And I did feel a bit unlucky for Isak because, for to Isak's credit, anytime he had a shot and he he had an opportunity to to shoot, he actually put the ball in a, in in the in the right spots. But it was like a really good save, like the De Gea double save. You can't fault Isak there. It was he he mm-hmm. nodded it, you know, on to to the ground in the in the corner, and and De Gea got down there. Uh, so I mean, you know, the guy who has been clinical for Newcastle just didn't have those opportunities. And then, you know, I'm not expecting Jacob Murphy to be clinical. He didn't really even have an opportunity. I mean, he had a couple shots that were in, in Rose Zed, but other than that, I mean, I don't know. Uh, what were your thoughts on the first half? You might have some editing to do there. My headset fell off my head, but if you don't, know, care, I'm, I don't I'm, care, I'm leaving all of this in. I want everyone to know <laughs> that, that you think that I'm going to edit that out. That's hilarious. <laughs> Oh man, that's great. I'm glad that you don't. It shows that we're real. Um, I will. I'm going to tell you something. This match was not on Peacock. Uh, so here in the states, most of our matches uh, in the they're Premier on the League, cock. We yeah, they're on the cock. We're very fortunate that we get lots of matches on the cock. But this one, I can't help it. that one in particular was on Telemundo. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have terrestrial television, man. I don't have Telemundo. Okay. I have, I have Roku. Um, oh. So I don't have USA Network. I don't have Telemundo. I didn't get to watch this match. Mm. I don't get to see the full replay of this match until tomorrow. No. That's when it shows back up on Peacock. So what I you. got so what I got today was I was listening to the game as I have done for 15 years, maybe mm. 18 years. I was listening to this on BBC Radio Northeast. Okay? And and I have no problem with that. I love it. It's maybe my favorite way to actually consume Newcastle. I'm going to say um, it's better. It's definitely better than we had uh, Graham Lasso and Peter Drury. So, I mean, yeah. it wasn't great. I will tell you, Matthew Raisbeck and um, now that I'm trying to say it, that, um, former Newcastle United defender. It'll 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 ding my head eventually. I'll, I'll get I'll get to it. But anyway, they are so good on the radio and it's so obviously Newcastle bias which you want you want you and you do want that when you're listening to your team you want to hear about all the good things that your team is doing and what comes with that type of focus and that bias is that it it, it, you hear more about the movement of your players off the ball as well so and so is going here from left to right as you're you know as you're looking at your radio dial these players are moving this way whose name did not i i did not hear a lot of in the first half was alexander isaac and they didn't really speak about him much on the radio. I think on if you were watching this on TV, maybe you get to see his movements mm-hmm. and maybe you get to see what he's doing. But on radio, if they don't mention the player, that isn't necessarily a sign of anonymity, but it could. It could betray a lack of involvement. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so when I'm listening, actively listening to see who is up top, and I could not hear his name being called as being participating in certain plays. I'm like, okay, what's going on? I knew he started, but there just wasn't, he wasn't being named in, you know, is moving in any direction. So when you ask me, well, what was my thought on the first half? I felt like this wasn't going to be enough. Yes, we were doing well, but this wasn't going to be enough. We needed to get him more involved. He needed to be more active. 
That was, you know, and so I knew that the team was doing well. I could tell that it was exciting, that the atmosphere was lit, that the players were active, that the attack was on, the shots, you know. And I, I would later go on and watch the highlight package, and it would confirm some of the things that I saw in my mind's eye. But mm-hmm. the first half ended me wondering, where is Isaac? That's interesting because, like, I think probably, like, I mean, I think Alan say Maxman and Bruno, I think, were probably the best players holistically for Newcastle. But I think Isak is probably that close third. With I mean, mm-hmm. with Joe Willock, I mean, obviously on his heels. Because I think, and this is, this is, I think, why you didn't hear it on the radio. Because it doesn't feel that significant until you look at the replay or until the chance has been created. Mm-hmm. Where almost all of those chances started with a cheeky Isak touch or him holding the ball up and playing the ball out wide. Like almost all of Newcastle's best chances started with Alexander Isak, but it was him doing the very small, simple things that you wouldn't like if you're on the radio, because you don't know what's going to happen next. You're not, you're not like, Oh, Isak here with the holdup. Like you're just like long balls played or balls won, and Isak's picked it up and he's, your focus as a radio guy on like, oh, he's got it out to Alan St. Maxman, and we know that he's going to be electric on the ball. So that is interesting. I will also say Isak did a lot of the the not show doesn't show up in the in in the uh, the box score stuff today. Him and Murphy, I think uh, one thing that Manchester United really struggled with in the first half is that they were consistently trying to play out of the back from De Gea, and they had to abandon that. Because Isak and Jacob Murphy were absolutely hounding the back line and hounding De Gea, like really making him uncomfortable. And so, again, uh, like you said, it, it's very interesting because, like, I'm thinking about it. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, overall, like in the big chances, he wasn't you know, the last two or three passes, but he was the the pass that started a lot of these, a lot of the opportunities for Newcastle. So um, that is interesting. I'm, I'm uh, yeah, uh, that's, that's fascinating. That it, it we will came say across that it, way. it changes in the second half. Oh, uh, no, and, for sure. I mean, yeah. And, and it's John Anderson that's on the call, John Anderson and Matthew Raysbeck. And so as much as we didn't hear Alexander Isaac, I didn't hear Alexander Isaac's name mm-hmm. um, spoken of frequently in the first half, that, changes in the second half and even though he does not score either of the two goals his involvement is very clearly articulated yeah yeah i mean i think it's to the point where i mean we'll skip ahead uh there was a lot of more of the same uh for the first 10 15 minutes of the second half uh, again manchester united really never looked in it like i want to give them credit i mean i have friends who are manchester united fans they're very fine people but like they <laughs> did not look threatening at all like i mean it the expected goals was 4 to point 4 so like it, i mean it was they, like that gives you an idea of like they didn't even really get a shot on target so there's nothing to really talk about uh, besides it, we don't want to do a whole podcast about them moaning but we could talk about uh, Marcus, that was that was that Rashford who spiked his shoe like after not getting a call, like and Bruno, of course, rolling around on the ground and not like we don't want to talk about that though. That's lame. Um, but we'll say there was a there was a slew of subs that occurred from uh, Manchester United in the 60th minute where um, it was clear that they wanted to freshen up attack, they wanted to go for it, um, and they took off Anthony who was having a 
fine game against Dan Byrne. He was beating Dan Byrne, but of course he and Dan Byrne were going at it. It was nice. There was a little scuffle actually at one point. So that was cool for people who crave conflict. Uh, Sancho came on for Anthony, uh, which is, I think is a good sub. And then Martial comes on for Vaghorse. Vaghorse really did not do well in this match for uh, Man U. Just was, I mean, he is usually a, kind of a, a physical forward that can really make center center backs uncomfortable, but that's just wasn't the case because he's going up against two center backs that crave physicality. So I, it just wasn't, it wasn't working for them. Hold up play was again, non-existent for Manchester United. Uh, and part of that was like De Gea wasn't able to play in those balls to Veghorst that he'd like to normally because he was under constant pressure from Newcastle front line. Um, so again, that happens. So they make their subs and Newcastle are gearing up for a triple sub. And I'm wondering if this actually happened, mm-hmm. if they mentioned this on the, uh, on the, uh, on the, on the radio broadcast, but mm-hmm. they had uh, Anthony Gordon, um, Joel Ellington and uh, Callum Wilson, all three of them lined up uh, to, to be subbed on. And literally <laughs> um, Newcastle, I want to say they, they, uh, it wasn't, wasn't a free kick. It was just like a, a ball went back, and it was one back by Isak. Uh, and this is like next stoppage of play after this is when this triple sub's happening. Switch out the entire attack. And the entire <laughs> Newcastle Twitter is like, why are we taking off Isak? He's, he's been at the center of a lot of these attacks. Um, and I was kind of in that same boat. of I was also like, I don't know if the move is to really take off Alan St. Maximin either. I think you could maybe take off Longstaff for Joe Ellington maybe take off Murphy for Gordon, but I don't really agree with removing ASM and Isak when a lot of the chances come through them, et cetera, et cetera. But of course, as soon as this triple sub is being talked about, Isak wins the ball back, floats it and, and, um, and gets it out to uh, Bruno and Bruno floats a beautiful cross across the box. Um, and it finds ASM who's on the, on the, the back post and he plays a nice little header um, across the face of goal to Joe Willick, who is completely unmarked and just nods it home to the bottom right-hand corner. And Newcastle go up 1-0, and it was kind of a – I wouldn't say it was an FU goal, but it definitely was once you saw the three guys uh, on the sideline, ASM and Isak were playing with a bit of urgency that you may not have seen from the last from the, in the last like five minutes prior to that. And mm-hmm. hey, it worked out. Uh, I give Eddie credit. I kind of jokingly tweeted, "Big big brain move to uh, fake the triple <laughs> sub in order to uh, in order to get get a goal." But yeah, no, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure the call was electric. I definitely hear your thoughts on this, Josh. Yeah, it was, and they and they did note that there were three players up, bibs on. They were they were getting warmed up to come in, and it was sort of in the same breath. And th- then you get the build up play. Um, I want to say. This is also when I go back and I rewatch the highlight package uh, and you see ASM. I paused. I paused and there was a couple moments where I paused on what Alain Saint-Maxima was doing in this match, um, driving and driving from the left right into the back mm-hmm. line, forcing them to make yeah. a decision. We had mentioned that's what he does. But what had changed is a visible change. It's almost like it's almost like Jason Tindall took Alan out out for dinner and put his arm around him and said, "I, I know this must seem rough. I don't I don't know what we what more we can tell you. We love you. 
We love you with all of our heart. We want you to play well. You do this 90% of the right way. This is the one thing more you can do, right? And that's like the flashback in my brain. Yeah. Unpause. And here's Alonso Maximan driving into the left, flipping a ball. He could, old, old ASM drives to the end line and tries to and tries to do something. New ASM stops, changes his momentum and lays the ball off into the into the into the path of, of a shot. Oh, yeah. New yeah. ASM, he old ASM would have tried to shoot that ball. New ASM heads the ball back across the face of the goal as as an assist. And I and it's happened. And I was unsure if there was enough time left in the season. And maybe I'm wrong, but Somebody has put their arm around Alain and said, there's more. We're, you're not through here. You can do this. You can be a part of what's happening here. He's a world-class player, and he just needs that one more push in the right direction, and this might be it. Yeah, I would agree with that. I also think, like I've mentioned this before, but ASM has been pretty vocal about how he enjoys playing with the likes of Bruno I mean, Isak and I mean, and it like you could see them actually all on the on the bench together later on, like laughing and joking him, Isak and Joe Willock. But I also think when ASM was brought in um, and even when he was at Nice, it was very much the ASM show because he had to do it all Mm -hmm. Uh, because there was I mean, part of it was tactically there was no other option that made sense, like the best Newcastle matches or matches in which ASM was completely dominant. Everything was flowing through him. And now that I think that's just, it's just been an adjustment of him having to realize that, Hey, playing to the system. Like if you play, if you, if you create the space and play the ball into, into the middle, like unlike before there are people there and that happened multiple times. I mean, he's playing the ball in the middle to Joe Willock. He's playing the ball in the middle to Bruno. I mean, it was to Isak, et cetera, et cetera. Like, people were there to receive the ball and take a shot. And it was a good chance created. And like, truthfully, ASM could have had two or three assists this match, like straight up. Like that's how close. Um, and that's how good the balls he's playing in as well. But that's how close he was. I mean, he was to having, I mean, it was just like Joe Willick literally skied an ASM assist from like mm-hmm. seven yards out. So glad that he got an assist. It was, it was a deserved assist. Um, and then, after that, we did see uh, Anthony Gordon and Joe Ellington come on for Jacob Murphy and Alan St. Maxman, which honestly is a really good sub because the intensity was kept up. Uh, that that front line was still continuing to make Manchester United really uncomfortable. Um, at that point, uh, Manchester United had a couple of just decent little spurs with Sabate and, uh, and McTominay, but again, nothing of relevance because they were getting absolutely shredded. Uh, and then uh, Joel Ellington actually uh, had a, a nice little chance. Uh, he hit it off the bar, off of a corner, kind of teasing what was coming down the road. Callum Wilson then came on for Alexander Isak. Uh, Isak played 80 minutes, which is nice to see. And right after that, uh, Manchester United made a substitution that I think was the key uh, in really s- cementing their fate. Uh, they brought on a bunch of attackers. So, uh, well, they brought on Fred, and yeah. then they took off Lissandro Martinez, who I think, by and large, was their best defender today. Took him off, which was wild to me, and put put on Palestri, Facundo Palestri, who's an attacking player. And then they took off Varane, who, 
you know, again, like this is a back line that again, maybe it should have been three nil at that point, but it wasn't like they still only given up one, one, one goal took Mm -hmm. off the, the, the both center backs took off Iran and put on Lindelof, who is a less athletic center back who I, if you are, if you're telling me I need to put a center back that will like get physical with a guy like Callum Wilson, really be able to compete with him athletically. Lindelof is not the name that comes to mind. If anything, I would have left on Veron knowing that uh, Callum Wilson was on. But again, I'm not Eric Ten Hag. I don't get paid millions of dollars to make managerial decisions that have an impact on the financial future of my club. So maybe I'm in the wrong here, but I wouldn't have taken both of those guys off uh, for sure. And lo and behold, off a free kick on the right, Trippier delivers a perfect cross to Callum Wilson, who beat, guess who? Lindelof uh, for a headed goal. Callum Wilson is back. Josh, initial thought. It's like thought. he never left. I love him. Yeah. Yeah. I love I, him. I'm, I'm, I'm sure he's going to be on his podcast this week. Oh, yeah. He's going to be chatting it up. I, I want this more than anything. I want an ESAC, Callum Wilson, like, you yeah. better fucking play me battle. Where, like, if one is starting, the other one comes off the bench and scores. While the other ones, I, mean, I want both of them to score it's every single the match. best problem we could have going into oh, yeah. the home stretch of the season. I want them to fight each other tooth and nail to, to show who should be starting each week. And you know exactly that is exactly what Eddie Howe has wanted all season is finally for these two guys who have such uh, one has such a, an immense ceiling and the other one has already proven himself for years. So what a what a great goal scorer he is. This, yeah. this is going to be beautiful. Yeah, and and on that note, it is worth noting that Calm Wilson, that's his eighth goal. Isak has six. Um, Miggy obviously has the 11th. This could be one of the first times in a few years. I mean, it it might be more than a few years where Newcastle have three double-digit scores. It's not out of possibility uh, for sure. Um, That's just something... You know, worth noting. I don't think there's anyone else who's going to get even close unless Joe Willock goes on a yeah, crazy Yeah, I was like, what's, what's cool Joe on right now for? Yeah, he's he's on three, uh, so it's just a little low. It's lower than I thought it was, but he's on three, mm-hmm. uh, and Bruno's on three. Um, so, but Callum Wilson and Isak definitely both have the 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 they they definitely it feels like they could each get to double digits. I mean, Wilson's on eight and mm-hmm. uh, Isak's on six, so it, it's. It's possible for there's sure. Time. There, there's no, time. No, there's plenty of time, and both of them, I both of them are are on their day, easily can get a brace. Like that, that's not out of the question. But yeah, uh, Wilson scored, and I don't know. I mean, outside of that, no, I mean, you know, actually, I'm not going to say nothing happened. Newcastle tried to score again multiple times. Like Cher almost scored at the end in like mm-hmm. the 93rd minute. So um, Newcastle were going for you know the the kill shot of the kill shot trying to go up 3-0 uh, to finish this out. But um, from start to finish, this was an entirely, like, entire Newcastle just display of absolute domination, uh, which is what you kind of want going to, like we said, a really important stretch of the season. Um, and so, I don't know. I just – it was good. Newcastle had 22 shots. <laughs> 22 shots mm-hmm. in this match. Uh, six were on target. Manchester United had six shots total. One was on target. Um, Nick Pope had to make like one save, I think. So, uh, again, brilliant display from Newcastle um, as they get ready uh, to, again, enter this really important final stretch of the season. 
Josh, any uh, closing thoughts before we get to uh, player Yeah, match? for a team that was supposed to be opposed to time-wasting, Manchester United somehow committed more fouls and had more possession of the ball. And here's and here's the truth of it. I've I've seen Liverpool supporters whine about time wasting. I've seen Arsenal fans whine about time wasting. And we've whined about time wasting when we were playing against teams like Wolves or or whoever leads. You know what I mean? Like it is a tactic that teams use when they have the lead or when they are playing against a team that might be overwhelming for them. And it, you know, and not every every team is gonna play how you want them to play so that you can win. Sometimes teams have to change the way they play. The sooner yeah. that teams say it's just a tactic, then you know, we would there wouldn't be so much blowback to Manchester United complaining and pissing and moaning. They play like a bunch of 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 bullies and whining crybabies every match every match yeah. that i see them play and they have the audacity to say uh, you know try to get into the head of the referee and of the of the league officials that this is a certain way that they the league needs to watch out for this is the second time they've done it this year mm-hmm. fuck them and i and yeah. i and honestly like i don't have i have friends that are manchester united fans i don't like your team no. I've never liked your team, and I, I honestly, I just hope that they miss out on Europe. There's okay. my piece. There's an athletic piece right now. Again, I should stop plugging the athletic, but it's honestly the only thing I think is worth paying for, and I pay for a lot of different things. But <laughs> that's that's legitimately the only subscription service that I feel like is worth the nine ninety nine or five. I don't even know how much I pay for it. I just read the you stuff. You can get it a dollar yeah. a dollar a month right now. I think if you go through uh, the yeah, that's uh, true. You can get it a dollar a month, but I'm yeah. I I like got locked in a long time ago into an annual plan, so I'm I never really get the deals. So, but I do have passes. So if you are like if you hear me mentioning the athletic a bunch, and you're like, man, like he keeps mentioning this, like I wish I could read some of this stuff dm me on twitter i'll give you a pass like I, i've got like guest passes and i could you could get like three months free or something like that um <laughs> but they have a they have an article up right now talking about like is this a renewed rivalry of manchester united and newcastle united because it was a rivalry in the past we've talked about you know there's you know very a lot of iconic newcastle matches mm-hmm. have come against manchester united and i actually i would tend to agree like now that we're in the same stratosphere in terms of spending ability, quality, et cetera, et cetera. I think it is kind of the renewed rivalry. Um, Out of all the teams that we realistically compete with, I think it's like them and maybe like Everton. Um, And even Everton is not really, I mean, they, they, they won't get relegated, I think anymore, but like, like Sunderland's not in the prem anymore. So you got to come up with some new rivals and, Manchester United and Everton and maybe Liverpool have made quite the case for themselves. So that's something to, to look out for, for sure. Um, let's go into man of the match. Uh, who do you have, Josh, as your man of the match? I was undecided. I mean, okay. I, is not it not really an answer, but I mean, yeah, okay. it, I'm, I'm searching for one. Is it, is it Alain Saint Maximon? Kieran Trippier. I, I mean, it I, I'll, been... I'll give you, I'll give you the club, the the one, the guy who got the weird neon trophy was Bruno, which was an interesting one because I think Bruno was good, but I think like midfield stats wise, he was mm. damn near perfect. So I, I get mm-hmm. it, especially when like the other midfield was so bad. 
but I don't even know if I would consider Bruno the man in the match, in my opinion. But uh, is that you've got a couple that you've named? Anyone stick out to you? I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with um, Alan Sam Maximan. I know that there were a handful of good, I mean, really really good performances. Joe Willick comes yeah, to mind as a fantastic really. performance, but I I I felt like uh, ASM had turned a corner. And he, yeah. he he played a match in a way that he might not have played in a very long time. And that was selflessness in a way that it wasn't forsaking his style. He was playing to his strengths and playing into a system and not giving up a part of who he was for that, if that makes any sense. No, that's perfect. I agree. I think in that same vein, I would give it to Alexander Isak, who I think... Like like you said, maybe maybe didn't get the big mentions on the radio broadcast, or maybe did, or even on the regular broadcast. But if you watch him for the full, you know, eighty minutes he played, mm-hmm. you see that the majority of what Newcastle were able to do came as a result of him in some way, shape, or form. Whether it's his pressing, whether it was him, like just he takes some touches that it's the same kind of touches that when. Trippier and Bruno first came to Newcastle. We were like, "Oh, this is just a different level of, of first touch that we are we were seeing here." Um, and Isak, he had some of those touches. Do want to just give a quick shout out to a couple subs. Elliot Anderson came on. Um, not Elliot. Did he come on? I, I'm pretty sure he did. Yes, Elliot Anderson did come <laughs> on for. Yeah, he came on for Joe Willock. I was like, I was like, Elliot Anderson did come. I was like, yeah. Um, he he looked pretty solid again. Uh, very comfortable. Um. Anthony Gordon looked, honestly, he looked really good um, as a sub. Uh, just a lot of energy. He won won the ball back a couple times on the counter press, um, set up a couple opportunities. Was pretty ambitious um, down that right hand side. Good link up play with Trippier. So um, I hope that he gets some more opportunities. I think you know with the midweek match, maybe he will. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jacob Murphy, I think, was really good as well and mm-hmm. really playing his role, knowing that. He may not be the ultimate like goal scorer, like, but he did his job well. He's he, he really well. a solid surrogate starter. Oh know? yeah, for sure. He pressed well. He put in some good balls. Just gave a different look out wide. Um, kind of allowed Trippier the opportunity to come inside a little bit, just because Jacob Murphy is way more of a traditional winger than Miguel Amarone or Alan Say Maxman. So we just got a different look from the wing. Uh, Sean Longstaff was solid as always. Um, and I mean, Callum Wilson scoring goal off the bench. I think. I want to mention again, really impressive, really impressed with what he did. And honestly, in a perfect world, you get not you get him consistently playing like 20 minutes and scoring a goal every time he comes off the bench. That that's that is a perfect world. So yeah, um, there we go. That's the Manchester United uh review. And uh it was good. Newcastle played well. Yes, sir. That's all we have to say about that. All right, real quick, let's hop into uh, Newcastle has another match coming up. Uh, we've got West Ham uh, on Wednesday. Uh, should be an interesting one, I guess. West Ham uh, look not great. We'll talk about that a little bit, but they did win uh, today as mm-hmm. we're recording this. Uh, they are up to 14th, which doesn't really mean a lot. Um, Newcastle, worth noting, are up to third right now, which um, – at the time of this reporting could change depending on how Tottenham uh, fare against Everton tomorrow. Um, and again, anything can happen in that one. Uh, that's a new manager bounce, interim manager bounce, whatever you want to call it. And then Everton 
are looking like they don't want to concede as much anymore. So I have no idea what that game's going to look like. But for now, we are ahead of Tottenham and Manchester United in, in third. Um, and then again, like I said, West Hammer in 14th right now. I don't know if the Everton match will really affect uh, their placement. But uh, yeah, West Ham. Uh, I guess I should go through the injuries and stuff for Newcastle, which is only yeah. a couple. I think at this point, Newcastle is pretty much completely healthy. Uh, it should just be Emil Kraft and um, and Almiron. And then for West Ham, uh, Jean-Lucas Scamacca, is, uh, he's doubtful. Uh, he's mm-hmm. their striker. He's got a knee injury. Um, and he's, he's kind of been... Uh, been back and forth with it um this past week so we'll see uh if he if he's able to play um, i don't think he played today uh so i think you know the extra couple days of rest should be good for him injured it at the end of march so we shall see josh stats yes. of history what do you want to do um i can do i can do let's do history we can okay. do history i i just wanted to note the, in, the you know it's interesting is that Newcastle goes on the road here. We're gonna do stats. That's I think <laughs> just defaulted into it. Well, Newcastle Newcastle go on the road here for three matches. So we had spoken about how important this match was versus Manchester United. Um, and Newcastle United have now won three on the trot. That's nine points in the table that boosts them up to third. We know that we've spoken about it. But now they go on the road for three matches as well. So they're gonna go away to West Ham midweek, and then they go. Back to London to play Brentford on Saturday. Um, and then they go away to Aston Villa. They don't play back at St. James's Park again until the end of, no, into April 23rd. They play Tottenham uh, at St. James's Park. So, oh. you know, funny that we spoke about Tottenham and Everton who play tomorrow morning as we record on a Sunday. They play uh, at home versus Tottenham and then they they play away to Everton on April 27th. So that those will, it'll be an interesting month. I'm not, you know, people could probably look at the calendar on their own, I'm sure. But I'm just trying to note that we've got a couple of trips to London in, in, in within a one-week time frame. And um, West Ham now, they're kind of a goofy team. Like, they got that big win today, but... Uh, that was only a one nil win over Southampton, who are like dead last of the table. And yeah, Southampton are not good. They're not good. Um, they drew their last league match was ones with Aston Villa. They who are lost not good a, as well. No, they're not. And, and then they lost to Brighton, uh, four goals to nil on the road. So the last time they had a solid, solid win was at home versus Forest, who are, who are also in that sort of that relegation mixer. Yeah, um, and they and, beat and we've for given now. Forrest credit. Like they've looked better, but yeah, it's still like we're it's weird. We're at the we're in the we're in the upper echelon of of Premier League, so it's kind of hard to to compare that result to you know playing a team as like Newcastle. So yeah, yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see what West Ham what you know what West Ham try to pull out here um, on Wednesday. Um, I don't know. Is Mikhail Antonio? Is he is he listed to play? I think he's always. Yeah, I think he's he's healthy. Um, yeah. So so there you go. And, and Jared Bowen, I think he's. Yeah. Here's the thing: is that again, West Ham have players that on paper 
It's another team, and that uh, that's my big fear with Newcastle, um, which is that's a different conversation altogether. Mm. On paper, they have good teams that have good good players that have historically played well in the Premier League. Like even looking at their their starting lineup that won today, um, obviously Declan Rice is there. Suchek in midfield is alongside him with, mm. like you said, Jared Bowen, uh, Paqueta, who Newcastle fans love as their cam. Um, and then, of course, Saad Benrama, who's been a mainstay in that team for a while. Yeah, and then Danny yeah. Ings, like great it's a Premier League. It's a very solid attack, but just haven't been able to put it all together. It's and David even Moyes, then, don't with, you think it's a, it's a Moyes thing? Like It's definitely a Moyes thing. He's and not, he's not team, good enough to – but they're in European soccer, right? They're in European yeah, football as well. It so, makes no sense. <laughs> right? So he's – and I think all year they've sort of been like at sixes and sevens with what – do we stick or do we twist with David Moyes? Like – do we fire him? And what, but if you do, who do you bring in? And all these clubs around them are canning their managers, but at the same time, like you know, David they're canning Moyes their is, managers. But Moyes is like a good, consistent. Like he's, I, the, he's the guy yeah. that you would bring in. Like if you were to fi- if you didn't have him and you fired your manager and he was available, that's who you bring in. I'm just right? saying so, you were talking about Brennan Rodgers, and I mean maybe that's a potential spot for him in the summer of like that. I don't know. If West Ham choose to move on, which I don't know if they will, because I feel like they're kind of they're kind of Stockholm syndrome with Moyes here, like <laughs> so, like I mean, if they yeah. choose to move on, I think Brendan Rodgers would be an interesting. He could be because I think part of what happened at Leicester is they've kind of gone stale on the spending. They've sold oh not kind sold, of they have yeah they sold high level players and year after year their high level players are replaced with. And of course, any player that plays in the Premier League is better than I could ever hope to possibly play football. But Leicester have replaced their high, high players with mm, not great players, right? And yeah. so every year their level dips. I think Brendan Rodgers is the kind of guy that could do well at West Ham who have a commitment to spending money. They just need somebody to help maybe scout and organize where they're spending that money so yeah, yeah. That, and, and again move. they they spend they spend money and they also they also have a pretty solid balance of bringing in premier league talent and then mm-hmm. also trying to search abroad like you know bring like having zuma and ings and then paqueta and then in the same team is a good example of that of like mm-hmm. that that you've got two players that have you know a player who was solid at chelsea you know kind of entering their prime you get him on the back line and then Ings, who you know has done it at for every possible team, not every possible team, but has done it like you know in a relegation scrap as well as you know mid table as well as potentially trying to push for top ten, like a, a striker who knows how to just score in the prem. And Danny Ings, and then you bring in a, a wild card in Paqueta, who the talent is obviously there. He's, I mean, you know, inter- Brazilian international, all that kind of stuff. It's all about just like is is he going to be a, a good Premier League player and Spoiler alert, he he is. So I, I think West Ham, they've got it figured out. I think they just got to, yeah. you know, kind of reel in some key areas in, in their transfer strategy, maybe shore up some stuff, um, you know, maybe a, a, a suitable midfield partner for for uh, Declan Rice or who knows. This could be the season Declan Rice decides to actually move on to a, quote, bigger club. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. I could see him going. Um, you want to now finally for me to get to history oh sure yeah yeah okay uh all time um 
uh, Newcastle United versus West Ham. We've won 58, drawn 40, lost 43. And I just want to take a look at uh, West Ham United versus Newcastle United, 20 September 1997. I chose one that was away to Upton Park just because we are going away to London Stadium. Um, this was still in the Premier League back in 1997, 25,884 in attendance. Newcastle United won away, 1-0 over West Ham. In goal for Newcastle United was Shea Given. You had Warren Barton, Philippe Albert, Steve Watson, Darren Peacock, and John Beresford as your defenders slash wingbacks. David Batty, Keith Gillespie, Rob Lee in midfield with Faustino Aspria and John Barnes up top. That was John Barnes got that one goal in the 44th minute. Newcastle got their away win at West Ham. Uh, 1997. <laughs> Interesting names. Rio Ferdinand, Frank Lampard, Ian Dowie, John Hartson, were uh, amongst other names, Ian Pierce, David Unsworth, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Some big names actually. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, that were, that were playing uh, lined up for West Ham. So heck of a game. What, what an era of football that must've been. I don't know. I don't know if that was, is that Frank Lampard jr. Or was that Frank Lampard senior 1997? Uh, I mean, I, I kind of want to, let me, let, let's look. Yeah, forgive me for not knowing off the top of my head when. But I mean, I don't, I don't know if a lot of people would. But I mean, huh? All right, I'm I'm on the Wikipedia page now. Yeah. So we're we're about to find out if this is if this is the same Frank Lampard. I mean, he's 44. Yeah. Be oh well, here it is. Senior career, West Ham United, 1995 to 2001, 148 appearances. Okay, well that was where he started. That's where yeah. he started. Wow. Now his I, dad I, his dad did play, right? His dad played yeah. but who did his dad play for? Is can you look at family and it backtracks? Oh it? gosh. All right. Let's or did yeah, you already close the screen? But no, no, it's not. Don't don't it's not close. I gotta go to personal life. Um, <laughs> Somebody geez. some geezer screaming at me right now. Oh yeah. Oh, oh there is definitely a, a geezer screaming at us. His dad played at West Ham for five five hundred and fifty one appearances. Damn. Nineteen sixty seven to nineteen eighty five. Okay. Folks, they do not make them like that anymore. That no. is absurd. Frank even the tank. Then, Frank the tank. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even before then, nineteen sixty three to nineteen sixty seven, that was the youth career. So I mean, just like Wow, that's insane! And then he he finished his career one year at South and United, uh, and then called it quits after that. But yeah. I mean, that that's an impressive career. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, but uh, an interesting little wrinkle. Uh, I'm not gonna scream nepotism, but uh, he mm. was an assistant at West Ham United, 1994 to 2001. Coincidentally, the same time that uh, Frank Lampard Jr. I guess was there from 1995. Let's to let's not let's not blow so, smoke. Frank Lampard, <laughs> whether we like him or not, as a human or as a manager, was a hell of a footballer. Oh yeah, no, and, no, for uh, sure. I'm sure no, he just, I'm just way into the first team. Oh yeah, no, he definitely did. But yeah, it's just yeah. it's funny to to pull the nepotism card when it's just like Absolutely. obviously this person is here is, is good. Frank like, and Frank. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, that, that's interesting though. That's wild. I mean, I wonder how old Frank Lampard was. I mean, he's only 44 right now. So, yeah. like, 
He must be a real youngin. That's it's math. Like, what, tw- it's 25 years ago. So, oh, you see, ooh, 25 years ago. So 19? Like, yeah, that's insane. Yeah. That is insane. He's a baby. Wow. Baby face Frank. I just, wow, I, I could never. I mean, I didn't. I'm 25 now, so I, I actually. There you go. Fun fact about me: I was not playing the Premier League at ni- at, at <laughs> age 19. People were wondering, but I've given them the truth. Cool. Well, that was that was fun. Are you are, are we done there? Or are we? Yeah, I'm all I'm okay. all set. I'm all set. I think that we we took a good romp through the history of Newcastle's won more games against West Ham than they lost. And uh, proven that uh, even back in the 1990s, in the in the last century of football, they were able to go away to London and get a win. So I think that that's uh, that's a good sign. I think they're in a good place in the league in in our year of the Lord 2023. I think that they can do it again. Yeah, yeah. Um, I am now curious as to who do you think is the player to watch out for on the West Ham side? I think it's Jared Bowen. Oh. Yeah, I think Jared Bowen's the player to watch out for. I think uh, Ben Ramo was dangerous the last time around. I think he probably still will be. Jared Bowen was really close to a, a, a good goal. I think, did it just sail over the top? Mm-hmm. Um, West Ham didn't look great. They got the win on a questionable off an offside call that wasn't offside. Like half the team was offside on the on the free kick, and then it was just a it was like a one nil win against the worst team in the league, right? Yeah. But I think Jared Bowen will be up for this one. I think they're at home. I think that there's a little bit on the line for them. Some pride. Um, there's they some wanted, bubbles as well. Because, some bubbles, you know, but yeah. I think that they I think that they also might they quietly might want to take the wind out of Newcastle sails. They might think you know hey you're not a bigger club than us we are but they might think that we're not and so you know i could see him doing his darndest to try to take the wind out of newcastle sails but i just don't think it's gonna work i think we're gonna get an away win i'm surprised you can go with the obvious answer in my opinion and lucas paqueta because he scored against newcastle uh, back in february we played them before um and he is really good so he's a good player. I think he's going to be too starstruck and, and given um, given hugs oh. and high fives to Bruno. Uh, yeah, I mean he's probably. But here's the thing: he's also trying to impress because he knows that if he does well here and West Ham doesn't really work out, like then you know the mm. Newcastle ownership mm. are going to be like, man, that player who is who is that player that was really good against us? Uh, he used to play for like West Ham, and I think he's friends with Bruno. Uh, let's get him in. Uh, so I, I think that's also Paqueta's. Uh, that's his. That's his mo. Is he's gonna try to try to he's gonna try to uh, impress uh, our our ownership um, because it's in London. So the full ownership group who they don't live in Newcastle, they will all be there. So uh, <laughs> you bet your bottom be, dollar. Yeah, yeah. Any London match, like you get everyone there. They're all there with their friends and all that kind of stuff. Um, all right, and then from the Newcastle side, any player you think is going to be kind of impactful. Uh, I mean, we didn't really go through predicted lineups, but I do think there's going to be a little bit of rotation, I would imagine. A little bit. So maybe, so maybe Callum Wilson starts instead of Isak. Yes. Yeah, I could see that happening with his goal today. Isak didn't do anything to hurt, to hurt his chances to start. I just think oh, yeah, it's a no, midweek sure. game, I mean, and I think Isak gets back on the start, uh, uh, the away game to Brentford. I don't know if we'll have time this week to do a full um, a, a full preview of that one. We'll see how the week goes. But yeah, I could see Isak getting getting a chance to play away uh, at London at some point this week. And, and I think that's yeah. going to be a start at Brentford. I think 
Callum Wilson gets his start on Wednesday. And I think Callum Wilson, Wilson gets a goal. I think he does. I, I think he, he gets a goal and I wouldn't be surprised. Um, you know, maybe we, maybe we see, um, Joe Ellington finally get that start, you know, to, to give the midfield a little bit of relief and, and Gordon might get a start. Who knows? We'll, we'll see how yeah. the week goes. So yeah, yeah, I think, I think it would be fun to see Gordon. It would be fun to see Gordon score. I'm not convinced that he, he will, but it would be fun. I think it would be fun to see Gordon have an opportunity to play in a match where like tactically Newcastle looked okay. I think in the last match Gordon played in and started, it just wasn't, I cannot, Newcastle were in that funk. I cannot remember if it was one. It, I don't think it was the Nick Pope. It, it might've been the Nick Pope red card match. It's the last match he might've started for Newcastle. Yeah, but Liverpool. Yeah. Don't, don't quote me on that, but it, it, but I just remember the last match he started. It just was like a, a, a disappointing like overall match for Newcastle. So would love to get, have him, you know, have the opportunity to play in a match in which maybe Newcastle start off a little bit stronger than they have in the past. I mean, we're, it's three wins in a row for us, Premier League wise. So I think the, the the team's full of confidence. Um, I do think that Eddie Howe, if he rotates, it's going to be maybe with Callum Wilson and one other player. So I don't think it'll be Callum Wilson, Joel Linton, and Anthony Gordon. I think it's going to be one or the other. Two out of two, it's going to be two out of those three. Yeah. So okay. um, I don't know what two, but that that's just my that's my hot take. And I definitely think ASM is going to be the player, in my opinion, that. Um, is going to be the most important player for Newcastle, mainly because, like, I'm just not convinced the West Ham backline is. I don't like, think so. I think you're so, right. So, I, so I, I like, mean, Manchester United <clears throat> barely held their shit together, and I just yeah. don't. I don't think West Ham can do it. I think he's, yeah. you're right. They've I think got, he's going to yeah. drive them nuts. Yeah, they've got Tilo Carrer in, in in their backline, and he's he's like a perfectly fine right back, but again, like, doesn't inspire a lot of confidence for me. Um, you know, again, solid this season, 20 matches, probably about a 6.5 to 6.8 average rating, depending on where you get your ratings from. So not bad, but just like, I don't know if he can handle ASM. And then you've got the old cat kicker over there on that side of the defense as well. So, (laughs) so we'll, we'll see. We'll see. So that I'm going ASM. And then, uh, final question for you, Josh, Mm -hmm. what is going to be the final score of this match? One nil. Okay. 1-0. 1-0. West, West Ham can't score. Fair. Um, I, I think it's going to be 2-0 uh, because I think we're going to – I think the goals are going to come from Wilson and Isak. Uh, I think we're going to get that that battle that we're wanting. I hope you're right. I, I, either I way. I will be right. Either way, how way the lads. How way the lads. Uh, so, yeah, that's it for this week's episode of CHN Radio. Um, I'm Elijah. That's Josh. We obviously love doing this podcast for y'all, the fans. And if you have any comments, questions, concerns, all that kind of stuff, hit our DMs, away the lads, and we love you guys. If I make a few quick bucks, it's cold up there in summer. It's like sitting inside a fridge. But I wish I was on the case side, looking at the old time bridge. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. Walk the streets all day I'll meet for a bottle of your own brown hill I'm coming home, Newcastle If you never win the cup again I'll brave the dark at St. James's Park If the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming home 
you Jody and to live in Jody land. Some people think we're body and we're hard to understand. And they say it's just self-pity and we're not so very tough. Cause the people in the big fat city haven't had it tough as rough. I'm coming home, Newcastle. You can keep your London wing. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll meet for a bottle of the river tine. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I wish I'd never been away. I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother saying, Henny, how we I'm coming home. Who stands at Fenwick's door? He plays a mean accordion. You've all seen him there before. And I love the Geordie heroes. There's so many famous names like Lindisfarne in Gaza, Brendan Foster in the Gateshead Games. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll need for a bottle of your own brown ale. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the cup again, I'll brave the dog at St. James's Park in the Gallagher's end in the rain. I'm coming home, Newcastle. You can keep your London wing. I'll walk the streets all day. I'll meet for a bottle of the River Tyne. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I wish I'd never been away. I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother saying, Hey, how we I'm coming home, Newcastle. Might as well have been in jail I'd walk the streets all day I'll need for a bottle of your own